Well, here we are on June 7th. We are one week away from opening back up with two services. We're going to start with two services so that we can fit everybody that's coming back in two services with social distancing. And so I, I hope if you're in the Albany area and you're joining us on Sunday mornings from 9 o'clock or at 11 o'clock, we're going to do it in an orderly and non-chaotic fashion. We're going to escort you in to help you into the building so that it is safe for everybody involved. So there's information that's been emailed to you. There's information on our website, and we would love for you to join us for live services and also live streaming starting the 14th. If you don't feel comfortable coming back yet, then we are still live streaming and will continue to do so, and we will live stream and put online our evening services for the near future. We're not going to gather back on Sunday nights in the near future. Hopefully, that'll be sometime a few weeks out or a couple of months out, and we will keep you informed on that. We're in our third message in the Approachable series, the questions that either Jesus asked or questions that were asked of Jesus. And what I want to do as we're coming out of this pandemic, and there are some good signs and people are starting to venture out and resume some kind of normal activities. Some are doing what they're asked to do, some are not. But what's the cure for anxiety? I mean, we have lived in an anxious time. Am I going to get it or you got it? If, you know, I remember but before there was the shutdown, you know, we were hearing stories about this, and I was somewhere and I coughed, and you would have thought I was a leper. I mean, people just jumped out of their skin. What's the cure for anxiety? Someone said, worry is like a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. It, if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Now, let's be honest, and I'll come back to this toward the end of the message. There have been a lot of things that have happened in southwest Georgia and in Albany and Lee County, Worth County, in our surrounding area that caused people a lot of anxiety over the last few years. It seems like we've been a target. And in some ways, we would like to start 2020 over again and get a do-over without a virus. But that's not going to happen. Billy Graham said, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. I don't think he was stuttering when he said that. Jesus is going to hit on a topic in this message out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. He's going to hit on a topic that he has covered and is covering in the Sermon on the Mount as he's preaching to thousands of people. Well, here I am. It's Terry and Garrett. Dan's in the control room. And me and Jesus. I sure hope you're watching out there. It'd make me feel better if you are. But if you are not, I'm still going to tell you what Jesus said to thousands of people. Verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried. Anything that says worry or care, you ought to underline it because he begins it with don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look. Just by that word, look, but just write, pay attention. Pay attention. And he's going to tell you to look up. Look up. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, there's that word worried again, can add a single hour to his life? Worrying doesn't make you live longer. Hello? Worrying doesn't make you live longer. God knows the number of our days. He knows our beginning and he knows our end. He knew us before we were in the womb. He knows all things. Worrying doesn't add an hour to your life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. He's saying, look around. Look up at the birds. Look around at what's going on around you. Look at these, these fields. They're, they're not worried. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now remember in last week's message in the approachable, we talked about faith. Here he says, if you're worried about food and drink and clothes, you don't have much faith. That's an indictment on the average American Christian. That's what we worry about all the time. Food and clothes and money. He says, you're of little faith. If you think God can't take care of you, you have little faith. Verse 31, don't worry then saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, and here he's using Gentiles as a lost world. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. Don't seek food, clothing, what you're going to drink. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry, there you go, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So at least five times he said don't worry. Now remember, we always talk about a text has to be in context. Jesus is saying don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. Sometimes we quote that verse and we just say, you know, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. The question you ought to ask somebody that quotes that to you is, are you worried about what you're going to eat? Are you worried about what you're going to wear? Are you worried about what you're, going to what you're going to drink? Don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, I just, I don't know, tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's not a suggestion from the lips of Jesus. That's a command, a command. What can keep us from worrying about tomorrow? Faith. 
God's ahead of us. He's gone before us. He knows what's coming. I don't have to worry about it. It's like the person who said one night, Lord, I'm going to sleep. I know you're going to be awake all night, so I'm going to go to sleep and let you think about it. So the first thing is, what is anxiety? Verse 25, do not worry. The Greek term means to be divided, to inwardly be distracted, to worry anxiously. Jesus is telling us that worry and fear and anxiety will take the joy out of your life. Oh, I'm just so worried. I'm just so worried. It'll take the joy out of your life. The rabbis used to say, he who has a loaf in his basket and who says, what will I eat tomorrow is a man of little faith. If he's got bread today and he says, what will I eat tomorrow? He's a man of little faith. If you read these verses in context, Jesus has already addressed faith and trusting God. He did it in the model prayer. That's why some people pray the model prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. The model prayer is in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, give us this day our daily bread. You know what that, that part of that prayer is? It's a prayer of faith. Lord, I'm trusting you for bread today. The people that he spoke these words to were largely impoverished people under the rule of thumb of a dictatorship. They eked out an existence, oftentimes didn't have food to eat. But Jesus said, when you pray to your father, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Five times in Matthew's gospel, you see a reference to little faith. You of little faith. Every time, it's a reference to his disciples, to his followers. See, the foundation for faithful living is not crumbling under fear and trying to build yourself back up. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. He's also just finished saying, lay up treasures in heaven. All right, Jesus is teaching your connect group right now, and he's looking around at all of you in your connect group, and he's, here's what he's going to say to you. Stop worrying about everything that lost people worry about. Act like a Christian. Believe that you have a loving Heavenly Father. If you being evil will give good things to your children, how, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to those who ask? Lay up treasures in heaven. You know why people don't tithe? Because they don't believe God can take care of them. That's why people rob God. Malachi calls it robbing God. You know why you rob God? Because you really don't believe that God knows how to handle your money better than you do. You don't believe you can trust God with even, even a percentage of your money. You know why people hoard in time of a crisis? Because they don't believe that God is sufficient. And you go in a store and say, shelf is empty. And then you go in and you see people, well, you can get one of these, and people cussing out the employees that have nothing to do with that guideline. We get crazy and start acting like lost people. Shame on us if the world can't see a difference in us. What does the world worry about? Food to eat, clothes to wear, money to spend. Give you a quick illustration. I've shared this illustration before, but it fits right now because 
if you've got a retirement plan or a 401k and you've kept up with it, you've lost some money in the last few months. If you don't have a retirement plan, you hadn't lost any money. But you may have lost your job. You may be on furlough. You may have been laid off. So I'm pastoring in Oklahoma, and this guy calls me one day and says, hey, I need to see you. And when I went to Oklahoma, it was in the middle of an oil bust. Now, when I was in Oklahoma, there was a, high, a road called, called King's Road, King's Highway. And there was mansion after mansion after mansion on that road. And in the 1940s, per capita, Ada, Oklahoma had more millionaires than any city in America. And they had all made their money in oil. And this guy was a senior adult. He was in his 70s at the time. In his 70s. And he asked me to go to lunch with him. He takes me to the country club. I'd never been to the country club. Nobody ever asked me to go to the country club. There were a lot of things that they had quit doing because they didn't like a pastor before me. So they used to provide a parsonage. They didn't provide a parsonage. They used to provide the pastor a car. They didn't provide the pastor a car. And it was always about money. It was always about money. Every time I talked, well, why don't y'all quit doing it? Well, we didn't like that pastor. Plus, it was costing us money. So you can't love God and mammon when you're making decisions that are always about money. Just a side thought before I get back to this guy. So we're sitting at lunch, and he takes his glasses off, and they're tears rolling down his face. And he leans over to me while I'm eating my salad. And he says, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm down to my last $2 million. And I said, that must be really tough. I'm down to my last $2 million in your 70s. If you spent $1,000 a day, you couldn't spend it all before you die. Jesus said, stop thinking like that. And I want to tell you, American Christianity is so consumed with prosperity that we're anxious if we're not prosperous, and anxiety is a pagan trait. It does not portray a true knowledge of our faith in God. God is fully aware of what you need. He's fully aware. One commentator says, worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. Now, if you've got your notes, there are about four or five points that I want to give you here, some realities of worry and anxiety. Number one, it can express itself in anger, impatience, and frustration. It can express itself. Anxiety can express itself in anger, frustration, impatience. We get stressed out and we blow up. We just blow up. It's an absence of the peace of God ruling in our hearts. Paul says in Philippians, he talks about the God of peace and the peace of God. If I have the God of peace, which I do if I'm a believer, and God gives me his peace, which he does because I'm a believer, then anxiety shouldn't be in the equation. You can worry for a moment, but don't give it a second thought. Secondly, it can cause you to run ahead of God. It can cause you to run ahead of God. You start borrowing trouble. You panic. You get frantic. How many times have you watched a TV show or a movie, and somewhere in that, in that script it says, 
stay right here. And the person doesn't stay there. And they go out and they get in trouble or they get hurt. Why? Because they panic. It can cause you to run ahead of God. Listen, when you panic, you run ahead of God. You grab the reins of your life and you say, God's not going to fix this. I'm going to have to fix this. God's not going to do something about this. I'm going to have to do something about this. Thirdly, it can cause us to shut down and cut ourselves off from the family of faith. Now, we've been sheltered in place, and we've been kind of staying to ourselves, and we just all want to rush out. I mean, everybody wants to get out. Everybody wants Disney to reopen. Everybody wants Dollywood to reopen. Everybody wants the theme parks, the restaurants. Everybody wants everything to reopen. And we can rush out and hurt people if we're not wise. Or we could say, you know, I kind of like just being by myself. And we shut ourselves off from people. And even when we're perfect, perfectly able and capable of, capable of getting back among God's people, we just stay by ourselves. And then the only thing speaking into our life is the television. And that can be a dangerous place. Number four, people who are anxious always seem to be critical and negative. People who are anxious always seem to be critical, critical and negative. That's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm worried about. If you knew my story, you'd be worried too. Well, hey, I've got things I could be worried about. Doesn't mean I've got to talk about them all the time. And if somebody's walking in faith and praising the Lord and lifting their hands in church in the middle of their crisis, I'm going to rejoice with them. Why? Because they're at a place I need to be. You see, people who are anxious always seem to be critical and negative, and they start hurting people because they want everybody else to be anxious. But here's the big one. It can lead to serious health issues. I mean, anxiety builds stress. It makes you overeat. It can affect you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, it can affect your health. I mean, a lot of people that go to the doctor are just stressed out. There's nothing really wrong with them. They're just stressed out. And so they get a, you know, they get a sugar pill. Oh, doc, I feel so much better. He didn't do anything for them. He just gave them a little placebo that would make them think he did something. Now, they don't do that all the time. I'm just saying that sometimes people go when they don't need to go. So what should we think? What, Isaiah said to a nation that felt that God didn't see and didn't know and didn't care, here's what he said in Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Do you not know? He's telling us how to think. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. So what should I think? I need to think about the God who is everlasting, who's the creator, who's never weary and never tired and never surprised. He's never surprised. There's never been a moment of anxiety in heaven. When Satan rebelled, there was never a moment of anxiety in the heart of God the Father. 
because Satan is no match for God. Do you not know, nation of Israel? Do you not know America? Do you not know Albany? Do you not know southwest Georgia that God is never weary and never tired? Someone said circumstances are the nasty things you look at when you take your eyes off God. We are called to see the situation through the eyes of faith. God knows what we're feeling. God knows what we're afraid of. God knows your need. And by the way, God knows your name. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Greek could be translated that we are strengthened to be strong. We are strengthened to be strong, that God gives us the power necessary to do what he asks us to do. Now, let me just tell you what Jesus is not saying when he says, don't be anxious. He's not warning us against taking life seriously. He, he's not saying to be careless or flippant or casual. He's not saying just shrug your shoulders and say, I don't care. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Nor is he saying, put your brain in neutral. He's not saying don't plan. He's not saying don't plan ahead. He's not saying don't use your mind. He's not saying don't be a good steward. Jesus lived looking ahead, but think about it. Jesus looked ahead to the cross and the resurrection, to the finished work of salvation. For the joy set before him is what Hebrews says. Jesus faced the worst that man could do to him for the joy set before him. He didn't focus on the moment. He focused on the consequences of the moment, that man would have salvation in the name of Jesus. Everything he did was in light of that purpose. What he is saying is face the day, face the future with faith. Get up and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you today. I don't know what you're going to throw at me, but I choose to trust you in advance before I know what you're going to throw at me. Manly Beasley said, faith is the key that moves God out of heaven and into earth. That's really good. Faith is the key that moves God out of heaven and into earth, into your life, into your circumstances. This is an important truth to nail down. John chapter 6 and verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. That's a present tense that our hope for eternal life in the future can also be enjoyed today. How can I live the abundant life today? Because it's going to be even more abundant when I get to heaven. I can have eternal life. You see, you're already living in eternal life. Death has lost its sting. Death is the door, the gateway into the next life. And so death has lost its sting. So eternal life began the moment you got saved. Everybody lives eternally. Those in hell and those in heaven. Believing is having. It's a possession. I choose to possess in my heart and in my mind and by my actions what God has said. 
And one of the reasons we get anxious is we give mental assent to the word, but we don't stand on it. Like the preacher can be saying something or you can be reading, yeah, 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 I, I know that, I know that. I don't believe it works for me, but I know that. You give mental assent. Yeah, I've watched other people practice that. Yeah, I've seen people live that out. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that, but you don't stand on it. You just give a head nod to it. But, but you don't stand on it. Faith gives substance to that which is hoped for. Fear, fear gives way to that which will never happen. Most of the things we worry about never happen. I hope God hears my prayers. I, I hope God meets my needs. I hope God calms my heart. I love what Manley said about hope. Manley said, hope does not have any substance. But faith gives substance to it. I need to repeat that. Hope does not have any substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives substance to hope. Your faith makes, can make the answer to your prayer a reality. God says something that's true, it's true. There's this old thing that, you know, the first time I heard it was in the days of the Jesus movement. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Listen, God said it, it settles it whether you believe it or not. It's, if God said it, that settles it. So what should we do? What should we do? Let me get back to where we are coming out of this pandemic, and hopefully it doesn't spike again. Over the last few years, this town has been strangled by anxiety, our region. It seems like we get up and we get gut punched. It's a straight line wind. It's a category three tornado. It's a 150 mile an hour hurricane over 100 miles inland. It's flooding. It's a pandemic. It's Albany being in the top five in the world in ratio of coronavirus. And sometimes I feel like that this is the way people in Southwest Georgia are responding. I mean, we're just antsy, we're, we're anxious. And can I tell you something? The devil loves for you to think that way. Oh, if I could just get out of Albany, if I could just get out of Southwest Georgia, it's just terrible. One bad thing after another happens to us. Be anxious for nothing. How much have you prayed about it? Worry about it or pray about it, but stop worrying about it and pray about it. It's like this dark cloud hangs over us and, you don't, and it's fed by fear. I mean, the fuel of this dark cloud mentally in our community is fed by fear. I mean, we're number three. You never hear anybody in Albany saying, you know, New York is ahead of us and, and Fulton County's really bad up in Atlanta. You see, the, the anxious thinking of people becomes, if I could just get out of here, or if I could just get out of this house, or if I could just get out of this marriage, or if I could just get out of this 
job. You know what you're doing? You're being anxious and you're not being content in where God has you. I, I know a guy that was always trying to get some church to call him. Always trying to get I mean, every time you talk to him, hey, you know a church you can recommend me to? I mean, he went through churches like revolving doors. And, and he called a friend of mine one day and he said, hey, he said, uh, he said I, I believe that God wants me to be the pastor of your church. And my friend said to him, when you start pastoring the church you're at, maybe God will open up another church, but you hadn't pastored the church you've been at for two years. Always thinking, if I can get somewhere else, I'll be happy. If I can get something else. Whether we worry or not doesn't depend on our circumstances. Listen, whether you live with worry or not does not depend on the Doppler radar. It doesn't depend on the storms. It doesn't depend on the flood. It doesn't depend on a virus. It depends on you. Now, I'm not saying put your brain in neutral and don't have common sense. I'm saying when you worry, take your worries to God. Take your fears to God. He's the only one that can fix them. He's the only one that can fix them. Worry is an inside job. It's not the stuff outside that makes me worry. It's what I feed inside that makes me worry. All kinds of people worry. Parents worry. Grandparents worry. Singles worry. Youth worry. College students worry. Young worry, old worry, rich worry, poor worry, and they worry about all kinds of things. They worry about their bodies, their health, their jobs, their retirement, their marriage, getting married, their divorce, their family, their kids. Most of the things we worry about don't happen. Jesus says when you worry, you're wasting your life. Verse 26, he gives us two illustrations about how to live an anxiety-free life. Being anxious about your life won't make you taller. It won't make you live longer. It won't feed you, and it won't clothe you. It won't add a single day to your life. Clovis Chapel said this, Nobody ever did anything more useless than worry. It never gets us anywhere. It never lifted a single load. It never solved a single problem. So basically, if you've got your notes, there are two areas where people live with constant anxiety. Number one, those who worry about things they can't help, fix, or stop. They worry about things they can't help, fix, or stop. That's called life. I mean, it's just called life. Secondly, we worry about things we can do something about, but we never get around to facing it. I'm just so worried. I'm so worried. Was it something that you can do something about? Yeah, but I'm just too worried. I'm paralyzed. I'm paralyzed by my fear. Get up and do something about it. (coughs) Or as Jay Strack says, in SOU, swallow the big frog first. Whatever it is you keep putting off and putting off and don't want to worry about it, just go ahead and deal with it and all the other things will fall into place. One day I'm going to typically means I'm never going to. And changing jobs or towns or spouse, it's not going to fix your problem. 
getting a new job with a raise, you're just going to spend more money. I mean, it's what people do. The average American is living off about 110 to 120% of their income. They're spending themselves into debt. They were doing that before the coronavirus. And if I could just get another job, you'd still spend at the same rate because you're not disciplined. Because you're afraid that you're not going to get that dress or that shirt or those tennis shoes or, or that jewelry. And you're not going to get that piece of furniture or that car. Just stop. And embrace the fact that God is watching over you and cares more about you than the birds of the air or what's going on around you in the fields. You have to learn to live with thorns and storms. You have to learn to live with thorns and storms. When Jesus is talking about the birds and the flowers, he's teaching us some deep truth. Number one, nobody was ever born worried. Nobody was ever born worried. Now, yes, babies have been born and have to go in NICU and they, they have health issues, but a baby is not in a womb worried. And a baby does not come out of its mother's womb worried. You know why children live in fear? It's because we teach them to live in fear. We worry in front of them. We fret in front of them. And sometimes, as my friend Charles Lowry says, sometimes you need to be confident when you don't feel confident because it's impacting the people around you. Babies are not born worrying. They're not born worrying. They are dependent on us, and as they grow up, they remain dependent on us until they can go out on their own. Secondly, it builds when we fail to walk by faith. These anxiety detours or delays are ultimately dead ends. They lead us to nowhere. So let me give you some truths to live by. And I've got three, and then we're through. Number one, renew your mind. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. So not just think about it, do it. Dwell on these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If I dwell on the right things, if I practice the right things, the promise is the God of peace will be with me. The kingdom of God and righteousness is our focus. Seeing all that I have and all that I know and all that I don't know in light of eternity, what's for dinner and what am I going to wear and can God meet my need is not the right question. The right question is, is in light of this, God, how do you want me to respond? Take God at his word. Second one, if God can provide for the birds of the air, he can take care of you. So let me ask you a question. What are you worried about? Why are you worried about it? Does God have anything in his word to say about it? 
That's why it's good to read the Proverbs every day because it tells us how the foolish person and how the wise person thinks. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Live in the present. Don't worry about tomorrow. You see, when I'm worried about tomorrow, it means there's something in today that I may not have surrendered to God yet. So what does God say? Take God at His Word and then walk by faith. Because faith and anxiety are opposites. I don't know who said this, but I love this statement. A faith that doesn't walk will soon be too weak to stand. A faith that doesn't walk will soon be too weak to stand. So here's what I want to ask you to do while, while we're wrapping up this message. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday the 14th. It's going to be a, a great day. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to just put, put your Bible in your lap. If you've got it on your iPad, that's fine. On your phone, that's fine. Just, just put your Bible down. And just put your hands over your Bible and whatever it is that you're worried about, stressed about, fretted about, put it in your hands. Just lay it there. Just in your mind and in your heart, just take whatever that is and put it in your hands. Then move your hands and let it fall on God. Father, I pray that we would take our worries to the only place that they can be met, and that is in the presence of a holy God, a heavenly Father who sees, who knows, and who cares. In Jesus' name, amen.